good evening. It's always sunset, and this is quietly yours. Welcome back. The world has changed somewhat since we last spoke. The world is in lockdown. You're probably not allowed to leave your home, and neither am I. I've been in this cave for five weeks with nothing but my mind for company. Yesterday I resorted to measuring the stalagmites. But I have been putting this time to good use, conjuring up some ghastly new stories. The end result was Fragments, a surreal, feature-length story of a man lost in a macabre dreamscape. We're going to be releasing Fragments in five parts over the coming week, and I hope you'll join us every step of the way and follow our nameless protagonist right to the end. But before we get into part one, I want to tell you about something very important. You might have already heard of Podchaser, it's a podcast directory that calls itself the IMDB of podcasts. It's a pretty great site, and they're currently running a pretty great fundraiser. Until the end of April, that's this Thursday for those of you existing in the present, Podchaser will be donating 25 cents to Meals on Wheels America's COVID-19 response fund for every review posted to their website. That's 25 cents that will go towards giving senior citizens access to healthy and nutritious meals, as well as some desperately needed social interaction. And for each review that I respond to, the donation will be doubled. If you want to make a difference, and be the helping hand for someone in need, head to podchaser.com, search for Quietly Yours, and post a review for every episode you've listened to. If you haven't listened to every episode, well, why not? Now is the perfect time to binge listen and write down your thoughts. Remember though, they have to be proper, thought-out reviews. You can't just copy and paste the same thing onto every episode. And of course, once you've finished reviewing quietly yours, you can do the same for any other podcast you're enjoying, right through to Thursday, April 30th. And now, I will awkwardly segue into a self-serving promotion for the Quietly Yours Patreon page the place where you can sign up to support the show. We've got some great perks over there, including an on-air obituary and some behind-the-scenes content. The support is greatly appreciated, so if you're enjoying Quietly Yours and you can spare a dollar or two, head over to patreon.com slash quietlyyours. If you can't spare a dollar right now, don't worry, the show will always be free. With all of that out of the way, it's time to dive into the eerie world of fragments. This is part one, and it's called The Town at Sunset.
I wake up in the night. I don't remember going to bed. But I guess I must have. Because here I am. The curtains are open. They're always open. And moonlight streams in. There is no moon. But there's moonlight, nonetheless. It's bright, and it's cold, piercing the thick layer of dust on the window panes and draping itself over every jagged corner of the room, scattering harsh glimmers of light and the aging jewelry that hangs on the worn old dresser, silver and gold, beads and pearls. I don't know who they belong to. There's a chair by the dresser, its leather top dry and cracked, fixed permanently with a deep impression as though it still holds the weight of its former occupants. Beside the dresser sits a wardrobe, a huge, imposing old box made from oak, I think, but its polish and sheen long since lost to time. It's tall, so tall it nearly touches the ceiling, and hanging on one of its doors is a full-length mirror framed with ornate silver molding, vines and branches twisting around the glass before coming to a point at the top of the mirror. But within the glass, there is no reflection. The room is bright in this chilling silver moonlight, but still, within the mirror, there is nothing but black. Nothing. Then, next to that, the door, with its white paint peeling away. And where the doorknob should be, there's nothing but a hole. No way out. Even if there was an exit, it wouldn't do any good. I can't move. I'm frozen still, paralyzed, on top of the bed. I try to move, but it's no use. So I simply accept it and cease struggling. And then, beside the bed, that's where she sits, in a wooden chair, with her hands folded neatly in her lap. She wears an old dress. It's seen better days. It's blue, I think, but it's hard to tell in this light. There's an apron tied around her waist, a yellow one, covered in cartoon ducks. And her head, her entire head, is wrapped up, covered in bandages that cover half of her face. Tufts of matted black hair poke out from between the gauze, and sticky patches of blood slowly ooze through. Her nose is covered, but her mouth is not, and it's moving. She's... talking. No. Singing. But no sound comes out. There is no sound in this room. 
except for the gentle sobbing of a child, which drifts from somewhere within the depths of the house. Everything begins to shift now, and I go somewhere else. It's not like falling asleep. Not exactly. Everything doesn't fade away like a dimmer switch. Instead, everything grows heavier. Like the air itself is pressing down on me. And then everything goes blurry. It's like I'm passing through a membrane, and then I'm gone. I'm in a town, a small town, a handful of streets at most, and the streets are little more than dirt paths. It's hard to tell exactly where I am, but amongst the distant fog sit the mountains of the American West. It's hard to tell exactly when this is, but the houses are of a wooden construction, fronted with tall, squared-off facades. Some of the buildings, stores, I suppose, have large, hand-painted wooden signs above them. Perhaps this is the gold rush. The town is quiet, empty. There must be people here. There are lanterns hanging outside all of the homes and businesses. But there isn't a person in sight. There are no animals, no rats in the streets, no horses by the post to which they should be tied. It's not quite night. It's sunset, only there isn't a sun. Not anywhere that I can see. But the town is cast in a warm glow, and the sky is an expanse of orange. The air is hot and humid, stuffy and suffocating. I don't feel like I'm properly able to breathe. There must be someone here, somewhere. I call out, I think. The air is like warm syrup and everything sounds muffled. Nothing. No response. Everything is still and silent. I start moving towards one of the buildings. A hotel, I think. The dirt crunches beneath my feet, although it doesn't seem to be in time with my footsteps. Stepping inside the hotel, I find a small reception, but it's empty. There's a desk at the other side of the room, but there's no one behind it. There's a bell, which I ring, but no one comes. Outside, a gentle wind blows, bringing in a gust of hot, sticky air through the open window. I decide to find a room, so I head for the stairs and make my way up them. There look to be three rooms. Are they all empty, I wonder? 
and the room I choose is small. There's a single bed, and a small table with a lantern on it, and scarcely anything else. Who lit this lantern, I wonder? The journey has left me weary. My head is pounding, and my body aches. I move to the bed, and allow myself to sink onto it. And as soon as my head hits the pillow, everything goes black. I don't know exactly how long has passed when I wake, but it feels like hours. It should be dark by now. I'm sure of it, but it's not. The room is bathed in that same warm radiance, and through the window I can see the sky, still burning hotly with the intense heat and colour of a vibrant sunset, only with no sun. I turn and reach out. I'm under the covers now, although I don't remember doing that. They're silk, the sheets. Soft against my skin in a way that's comforting and nostalgic. It's the only thing that's felt real in this place. With hesitation, I climb to my feet and move across to the window. This is the first good look I've had at the town. It's definitely the Old West, exactly as you'd picture it. Across from me are a row of houses, wooden, two floors tall. There are lanterns hanging outside each house, ready for the arrival of night, although I wonder if night will ever actually come. Beside the houses, on the corner of the two main streets, stands a saloon, in every sense of the word, large, welcoming, at the front, swinging double doors, just like you'd see in the movies. There's no one there at the moment, but they're swinging anyway. There's an atmosphere of ragtime songs, over shouting and laughing and brawling and dancing, but the lively sounds are only in my head. The saloon is quiet, just like the rest of this empty, dead town. On the opposite side of the houses sits another large building, one of the few constructed from brick. It's a bank, according to the large white letters painted at the top, although they've faded now. What's inside, I wonder? Currency? Gold? The bank is the final building on the row, and the street ends right after, before transitioning into an uneven footpath that continues into the hills just outside of town. The path continues up to a wrought iron fence that surrounds the town's cemetery. It's small, 50 graves, maybe, and it sits right on top of a hill, as if to allow its residents to look down at the town and the people they left behind. And in the cemetery, although it's too far away to make out any great detail, I can see two dozen or so small lights. Lights from lanterns. Or I think they're from lanterns anyway. Whether they're held by people, I can't be sure. They could be hanging from posts. 
After all, why would two dozen people be standing motionless in a cemetery like that? On the other hand, why waste time and energy lighting a graveyard? The town is silent. Empty. Perhaps they are people. Perhaps the whole town is up there right now, and that's why everything's so quiet. Why this is a... ghost town. Might be a funeral. The lights in the cemetery are going out now, one by one. The funeral, or whatever it is, must be over. They'll be coming back down the hill soon, back into the town. As good a time as any to explore a little further. Oh, I'm in the saloon. It seemed like a good place to start, but I, did I walk here? I don't remember. It's large in here. There must be 20 if not 30 tables around the place. <laughs> That's a nice surprise. I always imagined these as large, busy places. But the bar is unmanned. The tables are empty. On two of them there are cigars, sat half used in ashtrays, a stream of wispy smoke rising slowly skyward. And across the room is an old player piano. I can see the keys. They're moving quickly. A fast tempo. A furious energy. But no sound comes out. And there's no sound at all until I hear the doors behind me swing open. I turn and find myself face to face with the first person I've seen in this place. He's old, with a Stetson hat on his head and a bandana wrapped around his mouth. His outfit is old, too, and his face wrinkled. One hand hangs freely at his side, while the other is extended outwards, holding a lantern, still lit. I ask him what he wants, but he doesn't say a word. And then I'm gone. It's darkness. Before me, behind me, surrounding me. That's all there is, and it's thick, and it's viscous, and I can't breathe, and then... Just as quickly as it came, it goes, and I'm back beneath the orange sky of the town at sunset. I'm closer now, to the graveyard, right beside the big hill. I'm behind the bank, I think. It doesn't really matter. But from here my view is unimpeded. I can see directly up, through the iron fence, and to the townspeople behind it. There must be about twenty of them, all together, all gathered around a freshly dug grave, each of them holding a lantern that glows in the dim light of a sun that isn't there. Definitely a funeral, I think to myself. Although, there doesn't seem to be anybody carrying out the ceremony. And besides, where's the body? And the townspeople? They don't... they don't move. It's almost as though they're not even real. They don't seem to breathe. If I didn't know any better, I'd say they weren't even blinking. A closer look, and that's what I need. 
to see what's going on, to get an explanation, to push this macabre image out of my mind and replace it with something which is, I am sure, far more mundane than my grim imaginations. So I begin to walk up the hill towards the cemetery, and the closer I get, the clearer the picture becomes. But the people of this strange town, they still don't move. Not a muscle. The sky looks like it might finally be darkening. I grab a branch of a tree that I stand beside, and I pull myself up. I can see them clearly from here, all of them. They're stood around the grave, which is waiting to be filled. But still, they don't move. And I was right about their eyes. It's not that they're not blinking, not exactly. Their eyes are just... closed. They're all standing there, frozen in time like statues, their eyes all closed. In one hand, they all hold lanterns. In the other, shovels. I shift my weight, and I feel the rock beneath my feet give way. I catch myself before I fall, but the rock goes tumbling down the hill, and every head whips around suddenly to face me. All twenty pairs of eyes are open wide now, and they're all fixed on me. I feel like I should move, back away, run even, but I can't. I'm, I'm frozen in place, paralyzed by the intensity of their stares. The light of their lanterns is reflected in their eyes. Iridescent orbs boring into me with their stares. That moment seems to last forever, until finally they move, all of them, in unison, and I leap into action, launching myself away from the tree and back down the hill towards the town. I run and I run as fast as I can past the bank, past the houses, towards the hotel. I run and I run and the whole town seems to blur around me. This moment in time seems to stretch out, it stretches and it wobbles, and then, with a thud, I'm back in my room. Or someone's room, anyway. The door is closed and locked behind me, and I'm on the floor, on my hands and knees, gasping for air, gasping and choking, but the air won't come. My chest grows tighter and tighter, but bigger and bigger like it might explode. And then everything goes quiet and calm, and the gentle riff of a ragtime song starts to drift in through the open window. I stand. It takes all the strength I have left in me, but I do it, and I move towards the window. He's there. That man. The one from the saloon, with the young blue eyes and the old grey face. He still holds his lantern in his hand, but with the other, he reaches up to his face and pulls down his bandana to reveal a wide smile of perfect white teeth. And then he holds out his hand, extends a finger, and curls it back in on itself. Come here. What does he want? I don't understand. I don't understand any of this. And there's a muffled bang, and the door to my room breaks from its hinges and falls to the floor with a crash as the townspeople flood into the room, and suddenly I'm, I'm surrounded by dozens of hands reaching out to me and grabbing hold. I don't try to fight it. There's just no point. I allow myself to be taken. 
to be swallowed by the sea of hands and washed away. I'm taken to the graveyard, and I'm lifted high, and then the hands retreat, and I'm falling through the air and into darkness. I'm greeted by hard wood as my body crashes into it. Deep breaths. That's all I can do. There's wood on either side of me now. I'm enclosed. It's... It's a coffin. I'm in a coffin. It's definitely getting darker now. The sky is transformed into a burned mahogany, and the stars are beginning to come out. It would be a pleasant sight if it weren't framed by a rectangle of soil. Another deep breath, and then everything goes dark. I reach out and I place my hand on the wooden lid that has appeared on top of me. I try to lift it, but it's no use. I'm trapped. I can hear them now, piling the dirt on top of me. The sound of it, the weight of it. It feels like I'm down here for an eternity, for hours before I hear another sound. A subtle one, a small movement, a, a scurrying almost. And then another, and another. All around me there's this scraping sound as though something is clawing its way through the dirt towards me. It's coming from every direction, even from below. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's trying to get to me and it's coming from all sides. And, and then I hear it, a scratching on the side of the coffin. And then on the other side, and then it's all around me, the horrible sound of nails scraping on wood as it tries to break through. And then the wood buckles. And they get in. Hungry, clawing, vicious hands, pouring at me, scratching at me, trying to grab chunks of me. Pieces of me are torn away. Skin slides from my body, muscle peels away from bone like tender chicken and my body relinquishes its organs without a fight. There's no fight left in me. There's nothing left in me. I'm a hollow shell, lying beneath a starry sky, and my body releases my soul with one final exhale, and I'm just bones. Bones waiting to weather to dust and disappear into the earth. I return to consciousness, if that's what this is. And I'm at the house again. The yellowed ceiling is above me, the moonless sky through the window on my right. The air is cool and dry, and the suffocating heat of the town is just a memory. And there she is again, to the left of my bed, sitting in the chair in which she always sits, her hands in her lap, like always. I wonder. Sometimes, is she looking at me? It feels as though she is, but how would I know? Does she even have eyes beneath those thick bandages?
they're seeping again. Splotches of brown and red, a trail of blood dripping out from between the folds and rolling down her face to her lips, where she wipes it away with a dry, cracked tongue. Who is she? I've seen her so many times, and I still don't know. I glance around the room. It's familiar. I've been here a thousand times. At least it feels like a thousand times. But it's cold, nonetheless. Cold and frightening. I feel like being back here, somewhere familiar, I feel like that ought to be some kind of comfort. That I should feel some kind of relief. But I don't. Because I don't know this place. Not really. It means nothing to me. I don't know where I am. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know where I keep going, or how it keeps happening. And the harder I try to think of something that I do know, the more I realize how truly alone and lost I am. I don't know anything. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to get away. I don't even know, I now realize, my own name. I don't know my own name. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, or even if you haven't, head over to podchaser.com, search for Quietly Yours, and leave this episode a review. Remember, each review will see 25 cents donated to the Meals on Wheels America's COVID-19 response fund, and I'll be replying to as many reviews as I can to double that donation. We'll be back tomorrow with part two of Fragments. Will he remember his name? Will he find out where he is, or how he got there? Stay tuned, and stay spooky. Until tomorrow, I am quietly yours, and you are quietly mine.